0: Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church. Welcome to a New Year 2023 and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. Yeah, we're so glad you're joining us again. We hope you had a great Christmas break. We hope you had a great new year. And you know, if you're looking for a new church home, why don't you come and join us? We meet at 23 TE Peters Drive at Broadbeach on Sundays at 9.30. And we also meet at Yatla on Sunday afternoons now. You know, we'd love to see you there. We're a friendly church, we preach the word of God, and we've got some exciting news. Just a month from now, <coughs> excuse me, on the 5th of February, we have Brother Sadhu coming all the way from overseas. He's preaching in one church on Sunday morning, and that's the Refinery Life Church at Broadbeach. We'd love to see you there. This is a prophetic meeting that you are not going to want to meet, not going to want to miss. This is going to be life-changing for some people, and this prophetic meeting is going to be a turning point for this city. So let me encourage you, invite your friends. Jump on the Facebook page, let us know that you're coming, and we'll reserve you a seat. And join me now in the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray, this was his response. He said, Pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So the four Gospels contain the written testimony of the inspired writers who report not only the events in Jesus' life, but also the significance of those events. Paul's letters were written to Jesus, written to exalt Jesus, and to explain the meaning of his life and teachings. They were also written to meet the great needs of the early disciples. The central theme of the Apostle Paul is the theme for this series based on five of Paul's major letters. And today's message is a great one. It's titled Believe and Behave. The text that we're going to concentrate on today is Romans 12.2. I'm sure you all know this verse. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've all heard that before. The scripture we're going to really break apart is Romans 1.16. It talks about the just living by faith. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. And then if we look at Romans 12, 2, straight after that, it makes so much more sense. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if if you say that you're not ashamed of the gospel, what are you doing with it? Let's pray for offering. We pray for offering every time we take up an offering because when people sow into good soil, we want to make sure that they're blessed. Father, we come to you today because you made us. Lord, you redeemed us, and we acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes from your bountiful hands, Lord. Lord, for what you've given us, make us good servants, make us good stewards. And by your grace, we've been brought with a price. And therefore, we don't just want to desire. We want to ensure that we glorify you. Receive from our hands these gifts, Lord. Receive these gifts from our hearts, Lord. And bless them and use them to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Believe and behave is the central theme for the book of Romans. I don't know whether you you knew that or not. Paul understands that what we believe has everything to do with how we behave. If our belief is wrong, our behavior will be wrong. And if our behavior is wrong, our belief can't be right. Our behavior says more about our beliefs than does our verbal testimony or our written statement of faith. You would have heard me before if you've spent any time around me or Or at Refinery Life Church, one of my favorite things to say is show me the fruit. You're telling me you're something, but show me the fruit of that. Because our actions speak louder than our words. We often tend to emphasize either belief or behavior to the exclusion of the other, don't we? Which makes for a partial and an imbalanced Christianity. Paul was a man of balanced faith, and he assigned equal importance to each one. The first 11 chapters of Romans deal with belief and the last five deal with behavior. And in the winter of 57 to 58 AD, sometime around there, Paul was in Corinth at the end of his third missionary journey. He was about to return to Jerusalem with an offering for the poor. And a woman named Phoebe, who lived in a suburb of Corinth, was about to sail to Rome. And Paul saw an opportunity to send his letter to the church of Rome with her. Because, you know, there was no postal service back then except for government business. All throughout the Roman Empire, it was only government business that, that really was posted. There were no personal letters that were able to be posted. They had to be carried by friends or relatives. And Paul was not sure that he would get away from Jerusalem alive. Desiring to leave a written explanation of the gospel of salvation in the hands of Christians at Rome, he wrote this letter, which Phoebe delivered safely to the church. Realizing that this may be his only communication with the church that was so strategically located in the capital of the world at the time, he stressed that he must have felt oh, sorry, these stress that he must have felt to be the two cardinal truths of the Christian faith. He had two things you wanted to get across to them. The belief that results in salvation was the first one, and the behavior that results from salvation was the second. So let's look at the first one, the belief that results in salvation. After a few brief words of introduction, Paul proclaimed in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. What kind of belief enables us to receive salvation? Have you ever asked yourself that? It's the belief in the unlimited power of salvation. Paul said that he was proud of the gospel of salvation, as we all should be able to say. He considered himself privileged to preach it. What a strange statement in light of all that had happened to him, that he was proud to preach the gospel. What we see in modern day times is when things start getting a little bit hard, we start becoming ashamed of the gospel. We don't want to preach it anymore. We're worried what someone might say about us. As believers, we need to get over that. At Philippi, he'd been jailed. At Thessalonica, he'd been expelled. At Berea, he'd been smuggled out. And at Athens, he'd been scorned. The gospel Paul preached in Corinth was considered foolishness by the Greeks and a stumbling block by the Jews. Have you had these things happen to you? Perhaps your family, your friends? But in spite of the opposition, Paul said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The unlimited power of the gospel made Paul victorious over every obstacle in his path. When Paul spoke of the power of God unto salvation, he spoke from personal experience. At first he hated the Christian faith. His heart was hard and it was against the call of God. He even planned a journey to Damascus to arrest and persecute those who were followers of Christ. If ever a man was unbending in his conviction, Paul was that man. Nothing could change him, nothing until he encountered Jesus Christ. It was then he discovered the unlimited power of God that can change any person, anywhere, in any condition. The belief that results in salvation is a belief of the unlimited power of salvation. Belief in the unrestricted availability of salvation. You know, Paul proclaimed that this salvation is available to all who believe. Not just some, but all. Why did he say to the Jew first? (coughs) Have you thought about that? It was because they were in the immediate proximity and had the best religious background for accepting the gospel. He then said, and also to the Greek. The gospel reached the Greeks as well as the Jews. The Greeks were the intellectuals of the first century. And they were often cynical. Not much has changed, has it? We still have that Greek mindset. It's normally the intellectuals, they're cynical. They don't want to believe in God. But we need to start getting into that Hebrew mindset. We don't need to understand everything. Greek Roman religion in the first century was confused and it was chaotic with so many gods and, and deities that cities even maintain shrines to many gods to provide for the deities that might have been overlooked. Think of that. They would make shrines for all the gods just in case they overlooked one. What caused the Greeks to become Christians though? The answer is revealed in the opening of Paul's address on Mars Hill in Acts 17.24. It says, God who made the world and everything in it since he is lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands in place of the randomness that athens offered paul told of a god who can speak for himself and who is not contained in human thought jesus provides unrestricted universally available salvation it's for everybody in his letter to the church in Rome Paul said that salvation is available without restriction because of several different factors. The first factor is the need that requires it. We all need salvation. Romans 3:23 tells us for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And since we've all sinned salvation is available to all. It is available without restriction because people have sinned without exception. We're all sinners. The second factor is the grace that provides it. Romans 6.23 again, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Salvation is available without restriction, not because of human goodness, but because of God's grace. If salvation were available on the basis of our goodness, it would not be available without restriction, would it? The third factor is the price that purchased it. Romans 5:8 says for God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. How could God provide this love to us through the death of Christ? I've had that question asked before. And we are told in 2 Corinthians 5:19 that it is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Christ died for us. He died on our behalf voluntarily. He said, I lay down my life. No man takes it from me. You are God's twice. Do you know that? He made us and he purchased us. The fourth factor is the love that ensures salvation. For belief to be valid, it must accompany the right behavior. Second thing this evening is the behavior that results from salvation. Because if you're saved, I want to see the fruit. Belief results in salvation. Behavior results from salvation. In other words, belief saves us, and behavior proves that we are saved. Paul pointed out that our belief in the gospel will affect three areas of our behavior. Firstly, it affects our conduct. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore. Wherever we see the word therefore in scriptures, we should ask, what is it therefore? It always looks back on what has been said previously. Paul was saying, in light of the belief that results in salvation, I now set forth the behavior that results from salvation. You have believed, therefore you should behave. That's what he's telling us here. He did not say, I command you. He said, I beseech you. After all, he was writing to those who already believed in Christ, wasn't he? And thus should have their own, on their own volition, have been behaving themselves. He expected them to already be doing things right. There may be many things that we cannot do and much we cannot give. But by the grace of God, we can behave, can't we? Our conduct should be voluntary. It says, present your bodies. Our conduct should refuse to be folded by others. Be not conformed. I'm sorry, but many Christians conformed to what the world would have them do over the last few years. Churches closed. Really weird things happened within the body of Christ. Be not conformed, it says. Christians don't take on the color of their social environment. Let me say that again. Your social environment should not color the way you live and what you do. Like our Savior, Christians are distinctly different from those around them. Our conduct should come from within. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it says. Until we have genuine belief that results in salvation... We lack the power within us to behave. But when Christ comes to our lives, we become a new creature. Christ becomes the centre of our life. Second thing is our citizenship. The way we relate to the guidelines set forth when our country was born and written into our constitution may be the greatest testimony that we have. In God's economy, there is no place for the destructive spirit of rebellion and anarchy. What about our concern? In chapter 14, Paul wrote that salvation enables Christians to place their concerns of others above their own selfish interests. When we reach this level of behaviour, the criteria is no longer merely, is it right or wrong? But rather, will it cause my brother to stumble? If our belief in Christ is genuine, we will behave as Christ would. We won't be out to please ourselves or to prove our point or to insist on our own way. Rather, our lives will be characterized by the Christian love of which Paul spoke about in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. Let me read it for you. Love suffers long and is kind. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard this. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. That's what love is. As we finish up this evening, believe and behave. I beseech you, believe and behave. That's the message of the book of Romans. Believe and behave, not believe or behave. Believe and behave. When we grasp both of these truths so that they are translated into our everyday lives, then Paul's letter to the church in Rome has accomplished its purpose, both in the church, in centuries past, and in our time. And let me encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time, because God has so much more for us than we can get from going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for him, and he will make you whole if you allow him to body, soul, and spirit. You're important to God, you know that, but you're also important to us at the refinery. When it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. 2023, this new year that we're in right now, is a year of divine recovery and restoration. So get ready for it, church. Everything that's been taken from you will come back this year if you get close enough to God. And until next time, stay in the blessings.